everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Here we are, guys, at the end of the book of Mark. So we are finishing out our time in the Gospel of Mark with reading chapter 16 today. And the focal point of chapter 16 is ultimately the resurrection of Jesus, as well as who he appears to after he is resurrected. Um, Something that really is odd about this book is really, originally, I believe it's about nine verses long. Uh, and the, actually eight verses long, and then a bunch more get tacked on somehow. So I have a lot of questions, uh, but what we'll focus on mostly is talking about what is actually written concerning the resurrection and who he appears to, and then we'll talk a little bit about these strange verses and this odd little side note right before verse nine. Uh, the way that we handle this, and I, I think it's probably the best way to handle it, is that for the reading, we're reading the whole thing, but I am reading the brackets out to you so that you yeah. know what's bracketed and what's not. Always, always, always. It's more important what God says than what we say. Uh, so read this chapter for yourself. I mean, it will take you <laughs> 10 seconds Not to read the short long, version yeah. and 30 seconds to read the long version uh, or stick around to listen to us read it. Uh, no matter what, just make sure you actually get in the word. That's the goal of the whole thing. So taking this from the top, this is the resurrection. This is like this is probably the most commonly <laughs> preached story, maybe not necessarily from Mark, but the most commonly preached story that we have in our <laughs> Yeah, churches. I wonder if people avoid Mark simply because of this odd little footnote. <laughs> the ending makes it more complicated, but like like you already said, we're going to handle the story first, yeah. and then we'll get into this text thing. So um, what do you think, looking over the resurrection, it, it I don't know, like it, it's one of those things that's like we've heard it so often. If you've been in church for a long time, you've heard of this often. Uh, so it is important to try to experience it with new eyes and try to notice things you wouldn't normally notice. Like, don't just cruise through the resurrection. I mean, it's the reason we have forgiveness of our sins. So let's not just like act like it's no big deal. Well, some of the wording is interesting here. When they enter the tomb, so this is when Mary and, well, Mary and Mary enter the tomb when they're looking for Jesus' body in verse 4. Nope. Verse five, it says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. So instantly, like I automatically think like angels always that are telling these women where Jesus was taken off to. Uh, This refers to him as a young man dressed in white robes. So I guess just like the wording there is interesting. Um, But he gives them the same message. Don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Um, So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting, the the take and wording on who actually was in the tomb waiting for them to tell them that Jesus was no longer there. Uh, the, the Actually, the opening verse, when the Sabbath was passed, uh, is actually part of this controversy that we can controversy that we can dig into <laughs> uh, in here in a minute. Uh, but there there does appear to be like the dates seem to be mixed up a little bit because mm-hmm. Luke says on the first day of the week, Mark says when the Sabbath was passed. Um, this has like perplexed some Christians for a while. Um, Matthew 28 says now after the Sabbath toward dawn of the first day of the week. So that's one of those deals where like it doesn't seem like it quite lines up, mm-hmm. but depending on the perspective and and what the dates and the meanings mean, like they could all line up. But this is actually feeds into uh, why there's been some debate about this passage. Mm-hmm. Regardless, um, Jesus is not dead anymore. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and and these women are the first to experience it and they are very frightened. Yeah, so they went running away from the tomb. Um and what happens next then is that Jesus actually appears specifically to 
Mary Magdalene, right. which is really cool. I think that's really uh, something we've talked about in the past, like when we did um, God's Playing Your Part our first year, when yeah. we read through the whole Bible. We talked about the significance of like, whoa, Jesus appeared, at least from what it says, first to a woman, which is really interesting because oftentimes we would not think that uh, in the time women were not necessarily considered to be worthy or same level as um, men or their importance was not the same. So it's really cool to see that Jesus appears to her first. And I don't know. I think it's worth noting. If you wanted to write like a fictitious story that you just made up to convince people to be followers of Jesus, say none of it happened and you were just trying to trick people into following Jesus, you would not write that Jesus appeared to women first Mm -hmm. because that would not have been widely accepted by the culture. So it's like one of those things where like when you include details that would not have been accepted or popularized, it's a pretty compelling case for what actually happened actually happened. And then even moving further, if you look at um, Mark just says after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them who were traveling in the walking into the country. Uh, that is also recorded by Luke in verse um, 13 of chapter 24. That is the disciples on the road to Emmaus. So this is in line with what Luke is recording. Uh, and even like the, the heading over the next passage, starting in verse 14, is the Great Commission. The heading was not there. It was added by the editors. But basically, we see Jesus proclaiming the same things that he proclaims at the end of Matthew. And then probably, I think, the most interesting thing is that this longer section of Mark If you look at verse 17 through 18, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up servants with their hands, and they will drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt him. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. These are all actual events that are recorded later on in the book of Acts. So when Luke records what's going on, um, in the early church, he actually records evidence of every single one of these events. So this longer ending of Mark pairs up very nicely with the book of Acts, showing how the early followers of Jesus actually, in fact, did these specific things through the specific stories that he tells in Acts. Well, I think that kind of, I don't know, do you have anything else to say about just the context of this chapter before we talk about I, I would just formality. say, again, like, we should not ever grow tired of hearing about the resurrection of Jesus and any other, any other historical event. If we had this many recorded accounts of something happening, we would believe that it happened. Yeah. So like we, we have far less accounts of other historical events that we take as fact, Mm -hmm. but because it's Jesus and because it has to do with him rising from the dead, we just can't handle it. But there is overwhelming evidence for the fact that Jesus was real, for the fact that something unique definitely happened with Jesus, and based on biblical accounts and even some other, like, um, not included in the canon accounts, people say that he did, in fact, raise from the dead. So if it was any other historical thing, you would believe it. So we probably shouldn't have hesitations about the fact that the Bible says it. We should believe it. Mm -hmm. So speaking of... (laughs) trusting what the Bible says. (laughs) So I very much hesitated as we read through this chapter because of this strange little footnote uh, that happens between verses eight and nine. So there is a part that you'll hear when Ryan is doing the reading today. It says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16, meaning chapter 16, verses nine 
through 20. And so this really threw me because I'm like, then why bother putting it in? I don't totally understand it. It seems less credible to me. I don't like it. (laughs) It's like taking, I said this earlier, it's like taking someone's journal entry from a long, 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 long time ago and deciding, meh, that needed something else. Okay. And then adding this onto it. So a couple things. Uh, number one, it, it has always been kind of like a like a conspiracy theory kind of thing or like a like a secret knowledge that you discover um, that somebody has messed with the Bible and has made the Bible into something it was not meant to be. Uh, that argument is actually getting a lot of attention and a lot of traction right now. Like as we're talking, like that is making its rounds. What's interesting is that if you wanted to fool people into believing something that was not true, or you wanted to trick people into believing that this said something that it didn't say, you wouldn't include brackets that are like, hey, this is interesting. It shows up sometimes. It doesn't show up other times. So I actually think the fact that it's called out in uh, in the ESV, it's called out in other translations as well. The fact that it's bracketed and called out is actually a case to be made for like, nobody's trying to mislead you at all. They're telling you exactly mm-hmm. what's going on in the text. Which is helpful because when you made that point, it was like, okay, I... I can understand that a little bit more. If they didn't want you to know that, it would have clearly just been left out completely. So we don't have, like, we don't have the paper that Mark wrote on. We don't have the pen that he wrote with. But what we do have is thousands of years worth of documents that match up and lead us to believe that we do know what he wrote because he would have brought this um to the people that he intended to read it to, they would have read it. They would have primarily spoken it to each other, but then other people eventually would have copied it down. And then there's kind of this whole track of religious leaders that were in the business of copying things down. So we have a lot of copies. And what's interesting is 99% of the ancient copies that we have include verses 9 to 20. Hmm. So like, the vast majority of actual documents that we have dug up or pulled out of jars or out of vases or out of cupboards, like the vast majority of them have these verses. The problem is a lot of the documents and texts that we have from early church leaders actually documents discussions that they were having that indicates that there were documents at their time that did not have this. And so we know that e- like very early on in the Christian church, there was debate about if these are real verses or if they are not real verses. What's interesting is if they are real verses, it doesn't change anything that we already believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't shift our theology in any way. It doesn't change what we believe about Jesus in any other way. It actually just affirms what's in other texts. It could be that this is based on the text that's already written in Luke and somebody added it as like an epilogue or something. Well, and that's helpful to me, too, because it's not like it's this strange, far-fetched, doesn't-appear-anywhere-else story. Correct. It's just that they're giving light to the fact that this was not necessarily if it like always... If it were far-fetched and didn't line up with what we believe, it would be worth even more hesitation and even more like, this doesn't seem quite right. So just to give you a little bit of history here, um, there's this dude, uh, and I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but Irenaeus, 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 (laughs) he actually quoted Mark 16, 19, so a verse from the longer section of Mark. He quoted that verse in 180 AD in his work called Against Heresies. So we know for sure that in 180 AD, the early church had an understanding that verse 9 through verse 19 or through verse 20 
were present. They had them. They read them. They used them. It would be like a generation and a half of people. Correct. Difference. Correct. From the time of the actual event. Correct. We also know that in 290 AD, a guy named Eusebius, who is a guy that we rely on a little bit for early church history and like reliable accounts, he's he's more time removed now, but still very close, much closer to them than we are. Um, he actually wrote a letter to a Christian that was asking him about the problem with the dates. Like, hey, why does one book say it was this day? Mm-hmm. Why does another book say it was this day? And essentially what he wrote to him in 290 AD was the problem is that part of the text was not actually present when that book was written and when that book was presented. So Eusebius in 290 AD is saying, well, that section was added later. We don't want to build our theology on that section. That work by Eusebius gets quoted by another guy and then another guy for the next couple of hundred years. So they were relying to, like they were relying on it for useful, informative information. So this is where like the work with the text, the history that we have, the archaeology that we have, all of it has to work together. And when all of it works together and comes on top of it, like we we can pretty confidently say like these verses have existed for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's very likely they've existed since the time it was written. But also there's a lot of really faithful Christians who did not know that this was present in the text. Mm-hmm. And so that causes us to just call it out like, hey. There's some problems with this. We're not sure about this. We want to call it out. There's there's some other instances like this, like uh, I think uh, John 8 would be an instance like that. But it's not a huge scandal. Like It's actually just scholarship saying, hey, this doesn't teach us anything different about Jesus. History supports it. History doesn't support it. Text supports it. Texts don't support it. Let's call it out. Let's bracket it. Let's say, hey, let's give everybody the most information we possibly can so that so it's not a giant scandal. I think what's really encouraging to me is that we, when we're thinking about the time that has passed. So, for instance, what was that first guy's name in uh, one? What was it? One fifty. Uh, Irenaeus. Irenaeus. Okay, that guy that we couldn't pronounce. How thankful I don't know. I feel when I think about the fact that that man took the time to like write these things down or speak this yes. verse. Yes. And like, I just think the faithfulness that they had to God's word and proclaiming God's word and sharing God's word to the point that that one small action that he did helped affirm my faith even more. And I think it's just an example, even to us, obviously he is not a biblical character. However, he is a part of the story in that he kept God's word. I don't know. And... Together for us today. What was available to him, a lot of it is no longer available to us. Right. So I think just that faithfulness to God's word is really powerful. And I think it speaks a lot of volumes to us today. Because although we are not necessarily like a character that people read about in God's word, we definitely have a part in the plan to continue sharing God's word with others um, and being diligent and faithful servants of his word. Okay, so there's kind of two your parts here. One, the actual text tells us that Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered our sins and made us new men and women in Christ. We have a whole new identity. Walk in that new identity. Second, from our nerdy extra credit, 
like when we are faithful to God's word, when we are students of God's word, when we teach other people about God's word, we actually become part of the story of what God is doing in our world. And sometimes the work that we do, the discipleship that we do goes far beyond our own generation. Mm -hmm. So be faithful to God, be a student of his word. Don't just learn it. Make sure you live it. Um, We'll be back again tomorrow, starting out the book of Luke. So we'll be walking through this whole story all over again from a new set of eyes. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include Chapter 16, verses 9 to 20. Verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was still alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.